3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: Tack it up,
3: tack it up,
1: buddy, gonna shut you down.
0: Ronananian. In the 60s, the average GM starter circuit was
4: pretty straightforward and simple. In 2014... A Chevrolet Traverse has, well, more than just a few components. The Car Doctor, the older vehicles, if we want to keep them running and we want to use the best quality parts, either stockpile parts now or start repairing things now, so you get another five to eight to ten years out of it. We'll figure out what we're going to drive in the year 2032 and kind of take it from there.
0: Makes sense. Very, very helpful one. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls
4: at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. I think I have a way that we can give away our Mustang book this week, Tom. And we're going to make it a technical question. And... I, I, I just thought of it, listening to the open, because the way you did the open, you left out the second line, the second verse, and it's 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 all about here those dual quads wail. We'll have to come up with a car question. Well, no, maybe that's the question. Somebody needs to tell us what dual quads are, all right, and what the Beach Boys are singing about in that song. Let's see what kind of descriptions we get. Maybe we'll do that this Let's do that this hour. This hour, next hour, whatever. Um, but that's, okay. uh, we got The Complete Book of Ford Mustang by Mike Muller. Uh, 64 and a half to present to give away. And uh, let's see, can anybody tell us what dual quads are? And no looking it up, no cheating using the Google machine. So we just want your honest opinion what dual quads are. And if it's a sincere explanation, I'll be the judge and uh, let Tom award you the book. So anyway, um, I really wanted to open the show with, and, and that's really spur of the moment off the top of my head. That's where that came from. I wanted to talk about theft by auto repair. And, you know, I want to tell you what's wrong with my industry. And it's not everybody. And, you know, there's thievery in all industries. Uh, You know, we could sit here and, you know, talk about any industry where it involves people, I think. But I want to tell you about theft by auto repair, something I actually saw this week in the shop. Uh, Someone had brought us their car. Jerry showed up. Jerry showed up with his 2019 Toyota Tundra 1794 super fancy, super duper pickup truck. And, and I've worked for Jerry before. Jerry's a, Jerry's a regular in, in, in a sense. You know, I haven't seen him in a while because he's purchased some new vehicles and they've been under warranty. And uh, he lives a little bit far away. He's about an hour and a half away. And, you know, the relationship begins anew, right? That's one of the great things about auto repair, that it just, it just continues and evolves. Jerry brought me his truck. And, you know, Jerry's a blue-collar guy. He's a real simple guy in the sense that he just wants what he wants. He wants what he's entitled to. And just wants to drive it. He's not looking to beat anybody. He's just straight arrow. He brought me this tundra on the conversation point that it drifts to the left. Wrote me a very nice little note, um, you know, about how the steering wheel is off by two degrees. The truck drifts to the left and several other things that he was concerned about. And, you know, could I resolve it for him? I read through everything. I I And there was a lot to read through. I actually reached out to some contacts at Toyota. They sent me over the equivalent of nine pages of paperwork of conversations Toyota's had with Jerry. Because he's been to a couple of dealers. He's been to a couple of private independent shops down where he lives. And nobody could seem to come to any conclusion or give him any answers. One of the things Jerry had was an alignment printout because everybody was doing alignments. And let me state this publicly, and you know you can start the argument with me if you want, but for a vehicle to be out of alignment to the point that it's causing a drift, it's way out of alignment. I mean, something is severely cockeyed, all right? We've got issues in in several of the key alignment angles, and it's going to be real obvious, and you're going to fix it once, and the problem is going to go away. But the problem I had with the way Jerry was being repaired or his vehicle was being repaired was they were showing him the alignment and showing him the before and the after. And I couldn't figure out some of the dates were February of, of, of this year. And February 1st of this year, the alignment was out and it was supposedly corrected. And then two weeks later, because the poll was still happening... The alignment was out again and then it was cre- corrected. And and Jerry kept paying for alignments. They were blaming potholes and you know, things that Jerry was hitting and curbs and you know, maybe I'm taking some artistic license there, but that was my interpretation of the conversation I had with Jerry. And this had been going on for a while. This actually started almost a year ago. And, you know, same thing. There were situations where back last spring, the vehicle was presented for alignment. Everything's in the red, and then everything goes in the green. And then a couple of weeks later, everything's in the red, and everything's back in the green. Or, you know, certain angles are red, and then they go green. And You've all seen those alignment printouts, right? Hopefully, you know, listen, you're, you're, you're having your vehicle aligned. You're, you're getting a printout. Hopefully, you've learned that from me by now that you want to see. You want to see printing. You want to see test results. It's important. It, it, it cuts down on the nonsense factor, all right? You know, they've got to document it. Documenting things is always good. It, it's good when you're dealing with people. It's good when you're dealing with cars. It's good when you're dealing with lawyers. Uh, you know, you get the idea. And I'm looking at Jerry's alignment printouts, and I'm trying to, and I'm looking at I'm saying, how can this truck get four alignments in a year? How can the alignments be done in sets where, It's out, it's in, it's out, it's in, and then eight months goes by, and then it's out, it's in, it's out, it's in. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm reading the reports, and I'm looking at the reports, and I'm noticing that in most of the alignment printouts, toe. Toe is if you stand up and look down at your feet and your feet are pointed straight ahead, toe is zero, all right? If you kick both of your feet out a quarter of an inch, you've got a half inch of total toe, all right? If you kick them in, a quarter inch you've got, and so on. All right? You're looking at toe measurement. Which way are your feet pointed? Which way are the tires pointed? Now, when you look at an alignment report, it will show you toe and then total toe, relation to the center line, and then total toe between the angles, between the tires. And what I noticed was, on Jerry's car... And I guess it's easy to do and I you know, I don't think like a thief, so I don't I don't it took me a while to figure this out. But when they're driving over the drive on alignment rack or when it's set up on the alignment rack, if the steering wheel isn't straight when they pull on, it and it, it captures that initial image, it shows toe in the red. But if you look at the total toe measurement, which is in the center of the report usually, it's green. Nobody explained that to Jerry. I said, Jerry, look. I said, total toe is off, and it wasn't off a lot, all right? It was a quarter of a degree in some cases, but it was enough that it was beyond the the, the specification that the machine is looking for. It flags it in red. But I said, Jerry, look at total toe. The total toe measurement comes out in green because the the distance between the tires and, and their relation to each other is within specification. He was shocked. I was a little shocked, too. I, ne- I never caught that. I learned something this week. I learned how to be a thief. Uh, you know, they kept selling him alignments and kept charging him. Now, the tragedy, okay, if there is a tragedy here, and there is, the tragedy is the vehicle doesn't have a problem. And I, I explained that to Jerry. I said, Jerry, uh, you know, listen, nothing against you, um, but, you know, I'm going to tell it to you like I see it. I drove this. Danny drove this. I went around the corner to a, a buddy shop and I didn't say anything to anybody. I grabbed one of his mechanics that I've got a personal relationship with. And I said, come on, let's go for a ride. We went for a ride. He drove it. And at the end, he said, what am I looking for? I said, exactly. There's there's we just didn't have the experience. We didn't get the drift to the left. And yet Jerry says it's there or it had been there prior We did rotate tires. We did balance uh, the two fronts. We balanced them again because at 65, 70 miles an hour, he's got a little bit of a pulsation, which I believe is the tires themselves. And I explained to Jerry what I wanted him to do in terms of swapping out tires if he's interested and he wants to go forward with this vehicle. Um, uh, Bottom line, point blank, I told Jerry, I think he bought the wrong vehicle. I don't think he's happy with this truck, and it's just manifesting itself into something else and once in a while we do that right we we have buyer's remorse and we're not sure what to do with it at that point point. and somebody's got to tell you listen somebody's got to be the bearer of bad news just like i was the bearer of the bad news about jerry you're paying for alignments you don't need the next time you get an alignment the next time you get anything done the next time your mechanic does something and he's new to you and he's not your regular person or you're starting that relationship question things You know, look at it, explain what tow is. Um, I think explanation at the counter is very, very important. I had a Lexus this past week, an 04 Lexus that had a dead battery issue. The battery was going dead. And it it was an older mom and her daughter that dropped it off. And a couple of years back, they had an aftermarket radio and backup camera installed in the dashboard of this ES350 Lexus. And I couldn't get the answer square if it's been ever since or it only started recently. And frankly, I don't don't care because I'll still fix the car. And I went through my usual explanations of what we're going to do and why. And I could see that, you know, you can just tell when you're explaining to somebody, hey, here's how we're going to fix the car. Or here's how it could be. It could be a meal in a restaurant they've never been to. Here's how we're going to prepare the meal. They're just not believers. They haven't. They've got doubt in the back of their mind. You know, the human psyche is the hardest thing to get over, especially when you're fixing somebody's car for the first time. And I explained the charges, what the charges were going to be, and I itemized everything, and they signed off on it, and they left me the car for a week. My first problem with that particular car was the battery was stone dead, and it took better than three hours to revitalize it, to desulfate it, to charge it up, to get it back to level. And, you know, the concern there is, is it a defective battery? Battery came out of AAA. I'm not a fan of AAA batteries. You guys know this. I've got my reasons. And I question some of these AAA batteries, where they come from, what their longevity is on the shelf, and how long they've been sitting, and that's a different conversation. But uh, I finally got the battery back to a level where it would pass. And, you know, we're using state-of-the-art equipment, right, associated test equipment out of St. Louis. And uh, we're using their chargers and their testers, and their stuff is right on the money, and it always has been. And so I have no doubt about the test procedures, the charging procedures. And then I went about my draw test, and the draw test concluded that there was a draw. And when I diagnosed it down by fuse, I found that the radio was the cause of the draw. Disconnected the radio, the draw went away. Connected the radio, the draw came back. Disconnected the radio, let the vehicle sit. For almost seven days, the car started right up they showed up yesterday to pick up the car i explained everything i showed it in detail i showed the test results i broke out the wiring diagram and i put it into as as kathy the office help and the researcher has always said to me i put it in common everyday language at a level they could understand she's listened in on the conversations more than once and she said yeah you know you you do that all the time i didn't charge them for the repair yet take the car Let's, let me convince you this car is fixed. Take the car, keep it for two weeks. Call me in two weeks, tell me it's fixed, tell me it started. And you know what? Sometimes I think you have to do that in auto repair. I think that's part of the mission. I don't think the mission is to do an incorrect alignment and cheat somebody. That's not what auto repair is about. So the next time you go in and you talk to your mechanic, do they talk back? Do they explain things? Do they show you a report and explain the report? The rest is up to you. 855 560 I'm Ron Anany, The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
3: I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you
0: you want to go. Vehicle not taking you where you
2: want to go? Well, call Ron. He's the expert at making your vehicle take you where you need it. 855 560 9900. And now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over to Anna
4: in Iowa, who has the answer to the dual quad question. Anna, welcome to the car doctor.
5: Anna. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good.
4: Yeah. Can you uh, tell us what uh dual quads are?
5: Yes. Two, four barrel carburetors.
4: Wow. Now how do you know that answer? Just out of curiosity. Did you, did you used to drive a car uh, with two fours? My husband. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Husbands are good for that. Oh, uh, did he have a car with dual quads?
5: Um, no, no, no but his brother had one with tri power.
4: all right does your does your husband know what we used to call that what tri-power was often referred to as besides tri-power just out of curiosity
5: Uh, i don't know
4: three twos right so back in the day well anna you know what we're gonna be sending you out a copy of the complete book of ford mustang by mike muller 64 and a half to present did you ever own a mustang in your in your driving career no. Did your husband
5: cougars?
4: Cougars? Yeah. No. No. Maybe they'll write a book about cougars one day. What year a cougar did you have?
6: Sixty
4: nine. With the with the tail lights that went off sequentially. When you made the when you, uh, when you made it directional. Know. Don't you remember that? That was the big deal in '69. A '69 cougar. If you made a left or right turn, the, the oh yeah, we still got the car. You, you still have the car. Mhm. What engines in it?
5: 351 four-barrel with the four-speed. Really? Convertible.
4: Really? What color?
5: Dark green.
4: You bought it new?
5: White top.
4: You bought it new?
5: It's 10 years old.
4: Okay. You bought it when it was 10 years old. Okay. Anna, you're a riot. Thank you for so much for calling. Stay on the line. Tom's going to get your information. We're going to send you out a copy of The Complete Book of Ford Mustang by Mike Muller. You and your husband enjoy it and relive the uh, glory days of one of America's favorite pony cars and muscle cars back when. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, and then we went from that, right? Dual quads and three twos and tri powers. Did anybody see the article um, out of San Francisco two weeks ago that General Motors got it? General Motors has got some self-driving cars operating in San Francisco giving rides to employees around city and and so forth. They're just they're just wire they're just driverless vehicles. Uh they had a driverless vehicle pulled over by the police and unfortunately the cops were a little shocked. They've got a tough enough job and now they don't know what to do. Now they've got a car with nobody in it and the car started to take off on them and they had to chase it down again and get it to pull over. I wonder how they pulled it over in the first place, right? Who do you wave who do you wave at? Yeah, that's a really good question. I wonder if anybody has the answer to that. But who do you wave at to get the car to pull over? Uh, you know, how do you get the car to pull over? I never really thought about it until I was reading this article that they um, they had issues with pulling this vehicle over and getting it to stop and stay stopped. Once they got it pulled over, it kept trying to take off on it. So um, there's a lot of changes coming, folks. Uh, no more dual quads, no more um, no more three twos. It'll be a very different world uh, as, as far as automobiles are concerned. So. Um, if everybody's got the answer to that, maybe they could uh, give us a call. I'd really like to know if there are any police officers out there today uh, or at some point. I'd sure like to know, what do you do with a driverless vehicle? How do you pull it over? How do you get its attention? Um, you know, it's it's got to be – my understanding is that if I call for a driverless vehicle, it's going to come to the address and stop. I can't stop at midpoint, or do I stand out in front of it um, and, and, and get it to stop? You just – you just kind of wonder. So, just uh, if anybody's got that answer, I'll be looking for it. Just uh, what do you do with a driverless vehicle? How do you get it to stop if it's not coming to your address? Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero 560 9900 is the phone number. I'll do that again. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. 560 9900, the car doctor's 24 7 phone number. Give us a call. I'll return right after this. Don't go away.
3: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: Welcome back. Ron the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's go over to Sam in PA. Sam, I I owe you an apology or I, I owe you an explanation I saw your email in my spam folder Thursday this past week, and I said, geez, I wondered what had happened to this. I was cleaning out the spam, and there you were. So it's been two weeks that uh, I owed you an email, and I didn't give it to you. My apologies. What ended up fixing this car?
5: Uh, No apologies necessary. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what fixed it, but what I did.
4: Sam? I think we lost Sam. What happened? Look at that. There you go. Technology. I'm not sure what took that out. Let me uh, let me work on this one. Sam, are you there? No. Let me yep, work on. Yep. Oh, there he is. Sam, you're there. Okay. Hey, like that. A momentary yeah. glitch. Sunspots. So okay. go ahead. <laughs> we heard everything right up until I'm not sure what happened, and then boom, you were gone. So start okay. over.
5: Well, I actually put a new uh, new receiver and desiccant dryer in you know one of the Ford OEM things, and uh, I cut the old one open, and everything seemed fine. Everything was inside uh, both upper and lower. Material filters were there. The plastic was there. Everything was there. Right. So what I did is I took some stuff we use at work. It's called RX11 flush, and I actually disconnected the condenser, disconnected the evaporator, and ran this stuff through and put a, put a cloth or paper, you know, pretty decent paper towel in front of it to catch anything that might come out that might have been in there. And I got good flow on both of them. So, but, hey, whatever. So I... Uh, put everything back together put on a vacuum pump well actually put a pressure test on it first put on a vacuum pump i don't know probably an hour and a half got it down about 300 microns Threw the juice to her and away away she runs yeah i have I, i don't know
4: sometimes sometimes you don't see the problem we had an explorer in this week that needed brakes we did rear brakes pads rotors calipers And we went to bleed it out. We couldn't get the right rear to bleed out. So I I cracked it at the caliper, and it didn't want to bleed out. And I cracked it at the hose, and fluid came pouring out. I said, I've got a bad hose. Put a hose on it. Now I had fluid coming out the hose, but at the bottom where it would go to the caliper, but still no fluid out the new caliper. What is news what does news stand for, right? Never, Never ever, worked. ever work. Right. Um, don't say that to Facebook. They'll 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 ban you for two weeks. Um <laughs> Actually, uh,
5: I'm not on Facebook. Uh, I'm not but, on any social yeah, we, we,
4: We've got kind of, I've gotten more and more off of Facebook lately. It's just uh, it's just horrible. But uh put it put another new caliper on. It's fixed. I was really tempted to to open that caliper up, but I would have avoided the warranty and had to pay for it. I wasn't that curious, but yeah, you know, sometimes you just don't see the problem or understand how it can occur. I don't see how a caliper can block fluid; it, it would just come out in a trickle. Uh, you know, it's fluid in, fluid out. So, you know what? It's fixed. You followed your intuition, yeah. and you know, there's one that you know you just won't see it in the books. You were logical in your approach, and uh, you, you repaired it. So, um,
5: um, well, I appreciate your kick. Your, you know, like I said, I do this for a living. You know, bigger machines, and obviously This is so small. I'm like. It's not really in my wheelhouse, but hey, you know, like you said earlier, it's broken. It can't be broken right. again. It can't you know? be
4: broken again. Air conditioning is air conditioning. The principle is the same regardless. It's, you know, and you just, you know, how does it work? It's, it's like I tell everybody. You know what? You want to understand how an electrical circuit works? Go to the wall switch in your house. Turn it on. Turn it off. Where's the power coming from? Where's the ground leg? Where's the load? Same thing. Now transfer it to a car. It's the same thing. So. Mm-hmm. You know that just that just means you're really smart, so because you can take something and transcend it into a different aspect of life. So very good for yeah, you.
5: I just need that little little extra uh, kicking the tail.
4: Yeah, you know, that's just, okay. Whatever. So listen, Sam, I'm here if you ever need it, and uh, you know what, we appreciate having guys like you and everybody else out there listening to us. You have a great day. Oh, right, you too, sir. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye bye. Um, I must have really hit a nerve with uh, the conversation about the thirty nine ninety five oil change. It. Um, uh, it's, it's actually up there on Facebook that um, uh, Maria wrote in. she said, Ron, there's an advertisement in my local newspaper $29.95 for an oil change and she recognizes the fact she says, I can't even buy the oil and filter and do it for that price. So I wrote back, I said, Anna, you have to or Marie, I'm sorry, Marie, you have to ask yourself what corner are they cutting? What part of taking proper care are they compromising to do it for that price? And how much of an upsell are they doing to make it worthwhile for them? So my suggestion was, and i you know, I think we should all do this, even though you have to watch because some of the twenty nine ninety five oil change places say up to a certain amount of quarts of oil. But if they don't, let's take them a new Corvette. I think new Corvettes, what are they are they eleven or sixteen quarts of oil, or so, it's some crazy number. Let's just take them the most exotic thing we can and say, hey, change the oil on this for twenty nine ninety nine, and they can't do it. So um, evidently, the twenty nine ninety five oil change comment has really got everybody talking. Uh, so just um, just just be mindful of what you got going on geez I don't know what do we want to do next I've got Maury here he's got it I got an email from Maury. I've got a, a Mitchell one sure track fix I want to talk about Cummings has an article about the combustion engine that could run on any fuel um, there's an awful lot going on I'll tell you what we've got the phones backed up I've got lay pull over and take a pause and uh, do that and then we'll come back and we'll kick off the next segment I'm Ron A and the car doctor at 855 9900 zero nine nine zero zero I'll be back right after this don't go away
0: T-I-K-A
4: Welcome back. Ron Nane, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get on over to Sean in Maine with a 15 GMC Savannah. Sean, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
5: Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I got a 2015 GMC Savannah. Okay. And I get a bit of no, a bit of noise in the morning, in particular when I start it up. And um, my biggest worry is uh, 110 thousand miles. Should I be changing that belt as well as any uh, idler pulley or whatever?
4: Well, you know, the, if the noise is from that, well, for, let me let me answer the question this way: If it's the original belt, in my mind, it's due. All right. The belts do last longer. The rubber today is very different than what it was 10 and 15 years ago. We don't look at the belts for cracking anymore. We actually can measure. There are gauges out there that we can use, that a repair shop could use to measure how much the belt is worn. It wears like a tire now. It's a completely different, greater level of rubber. But at seven years old, going on eight years old, all those those main winters, you know, that's gonna have some effect on the longevity of the belt, and I think it's probably a good safe idea to replace it. And while it's while it's off, spin the pulleys, listen, does anything sound dry, tension or idler, and so on. Is that your noise? Yeah. That's that's the second question, all right, because I can recommend maintenance to you, but will that solve your problem? So what I would like to see you do is, and I'm very cautious about what I will spray on a belt. Belt noise, if it's truly belt noise, happens for, uh, you know, a few reasons, okay? It could be that the belt is 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 drying up. It doesn't have that um, – the word I always like to think about is lubricity. It doesn't have that, that softness or that suppleness to it anymore. It's just getting hard like a rock. Or something is contaminating the belt. Something has leaked onto the belt, and it's making the belt surface gummy or noisy. Belts are very susceptible to incorrect fluid on there. Or, heaven forbid, you sprayed some kind of belt dressing on trying to solve the problem, and now you've made it worse, all right? So the only thing I like to spray on a belt, and I don't do a lot of it, is I'll get a little atomizer bottle, you know, a little fush-fush, just a little, you know, hand spray bottle, and I'll fill it with tap water. And when I catch the vehicle in the act it's making that noise, I'll put a little water on it, just spray it right on the belt. Does the noise change pitch go away? And so on. If it does, then I know it's the belt. If it doesn't, I've got a problem somewhere else, and I'll go looking for that. Now, obviously, you've got to be careful. you got to gain access to the belt. you got to keep your hand away from the fan. Um, you've got to be able to spray water on the belt while the fan is spinning and blowing the water back in your face. So it's kind of an exciting time. If you haven't taken a shower that day, you're going to get one <laughs> uh, if you're not careful. Um, yeah. You know, you could try shutting it off. If it's making noise, shut it off spray the water on the belt, try not to get it anywhere else so that you're exact, you know, try to put it in in more of a solid stream, and then start it up, and sometimes that works too. But, you know, yeah, I mean, you got to look at it. Why is it there? It didn't do it when it was new, and if the noise isn't belt-related, all right, then, you know, you've got to go looking for that source. Do you have a water pump starting to fail? Do you have a different pulley that's starting to fail? But, you know, now's a good time, 105,000 miles. That truck is young. That truck will go another five to five to seven years easy with proper care and maintenance
5: yeah that's a, that's my plan
4: right yep
5: um yeah and another question not having to do exactly with this but um vehicles that have automatic transmissions and don't have the dipstick is there a warning light typically if you were to go low on transmission
4: fluid not on most vehicles that i'm aware of some of the higher end stuff general motors does not the warning is when the truck stops great system right so yeah you know it's it's and you know let me let me say here and now let me let me let me you know bring the conversation to a point here as far as you know would i change transmission (laughs) fluid i would have changed the transmission (laughs) fluid on that at 60 that is going to be a that's going to be a deck six Vehicle, the the brand name for fluid that GM wants you to use. It's a it's a semi synthetic or synthetic, depending upon whose book you want to read. Uh, type of trans fluid. You know what? I think changing trans fluid on a regular basis for a vehicle you're planning to keep is still the best way to ensure you don't have to put a trans into it early on. Um, and I say that here's a guy, as I've said before in the past couple of shows. You know, my 04 Suburban 55,000 miles puked the trans at 55,000 miles, and I changed the trans fluid at 30, and I was about to change it at 60. Um, I think that was a case of just something mechanical was on its way, and nothing I would do or was going to do would correct it. But I think the odds, you know, the, the you change trans fluid, it puts the odds in your favor of, it puts the odds in your favor of longevity for that vehicle. And I think that's what you want to do um, from a long-term point of view. So um, just my perspective. Appreciate the call, Sean. you be well. Let's go over to uh, Jonathan in Mississippi and see what's going on here. A 52, was that a Ford V8? Jonathan? Yes.
6: uh, Uh, My friend uh, has a 52 Ford with the flathead V8. Okay. Pretty much stock. We were changing the oil uh, a few days ago, and we noticed after we took the drain plug out and everything drained out of the pan. When we removed the filter, there it was still half full of oil in the housing. Is that normal?
4: I can't say I've changed oil on a 52 Ford anytime soon. Were you draining? Were you the canister itself is located where in relation to the drain plug of the pan? I'm trying to remember what this setup looks like. Is the filter housing up top or is it down low on the side?
6: Yeah, it's on. There's a there's a separate housing up high, um, sort of behind the air cleaner, way okay. up high, and it, it sort of sits on top of where it, it attaches to the cylinder head on the driver's side.
4: All right, and the entry and exit point is where at the top of the canister or at the midpoint? I'm trying to remember what it looked like yeah. in '52.
6: There's, there's a metal line going to the top, up high, and then there's another line. The bottom of the the bottom of the housing is sort of shaped like a cone. And there's another line coming out the bottom that goes down and enters the block right above the um, top of the oil pan on the driver's side. Is
4: is your concern is that bottom line or what we'll call the drain line restricted?
6: Yeah, that's what I was thinking because we had had to plug off for a good half an hour, and all the so we we went to change the filter, and now there was all this dirty oil in the housing.
4: I would i I'm, I'm trying to recall how sophisticated they were in fifty two My concern is or my thought is, is there a check valve of some type to prevent oil drain back because think about it if you shut the engine off when it was you know at the end of the day and you went to start it in the morning, if that drain line let everything drain out, it's going to require the filter to be filled up before. It had adequate lubrication protection for the rest of the engine. Sit tight a second. Let me pull over, take this pause, Jonathan. We'll finish this up when I get back. I'm running any in the car, doctor. Don't go away.
0: tika.com
4: hey welcome back jonathan you're still there ron and any in the car doctor don't go away You good thank you so take that oil filter housing apart i i recalled this as i was sitting here um it's deceiving that return line looks like it's down at the bottom of the canister but it's not they can't drain oil, all the oil out of the oil filter housing because then every time you would go to start it, you'd have to fill the housing before you had oil flow through the system, right? Right. So you'd starve the engine for oil. If you If you take that housing apart and look at how it's made, if I remember right, about two inches down or three inches down from the top, there's a little tiny drain hole. That's going to feed oil down through the canister or through and down to that return line that feeds the bottom of the engine block. All right. Oh, OK. All that all, right. all that steel line is coming out of the canister. It, it, it just it's, it's a solid steel line, right? It just looks like a piece of brake yeah. line. Right, right, yeah. That's all that is. I mean, you could take it apart and blow through it, and you know, to your heart's content. It's not that complicated. They didn't have a check valve in '52, uh, but that's where the idea of oil filter drain back valves sort of evolved from back in the '50s. They were worried about things such as this, and so they put the the return line. If you look at it, actually gets oil fed to it from a very small hole in the side of the canister. Um, so the canister only empties. Half to two thirds of the way down is my memory, and okay. that's why it doesn't do that. So then you have to wash the canister out and all the sludge, uh, so on and so forth. So um, you're doing it right. You're doing it right.
6: Yeah, we, we ended up siphoning all the old oil out and wiping down the inside real good. Right. And then when we put the before we put the new filter in, we filled it about halfway full of uh, Castrol
4: 10W40. Right. And that's the right and way to do easy. it. That's the absolute yeah. right way to do it. So Is that
6: a good move
4: for that engine? That, uh yeah, it might be you know, I would you know, every time we talk about oil in older cars, it's a it's a much longer conversation that we can have here. Yeah, I think that's fine. If you want, give me a call back next time, and we can talk a little bit more in detail because I've got my own thoughts about old old car engines and their oil versus today's oils. But you're doing fine, and you're thinking, which is a real good sign. So keep it up, Jonathan. Enjoy the car. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor, reminding you, until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.
0: Zumo Play.